you don't know me, uh, my name is Bob, and I'm preparing to move to Brazil. So if you've ever moved out of the country, um, it's difficult. Like, it takes a lot of time to get all kinds, and especially, I don't know why this is the case, but if you move uh, into South America, everything takes twice as long as you think that it would anywhere else, and so it just takes some time. And so I have a, a daughter who's graduating from high school. I'm having to meet people to talk about what we're doing in Brazil. I'm having to try to make sure that I do good relationships here in Austin at the well. How do I develop new relationships in Brazil? And so it's just like craziness in my life. And so I'm supposed to talk to you today about managing your time. And I know what your initial thought is, well, Bob, you're just a pastor. You only work one day a week anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. I know that's what you think. Um, it's not quite the case, but it is kind of funny. But uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about time. We're going to talk about margin. We're going to talk about how do we make sure that we have enough available time in our life so that we can actually be good neighbors, right? Because isn't that one of the barriers to being a good neighbor? Like one of the barriers to being a good neighbor is you just don't have enough time. Now we're going to work on some principles today that actually will help you in all areas of your life, not just being a good neighbor, though that's kind of the focus. As we talk about margin today, we're just going to talk about that. And I think this, these principles will help you in all areas of your life. We live in a culture that values speed and busyness. We live in a culture that lives at an incredible pace. And if you don't believe me that we value this, just think back in your mind this morning how many conversations you had. Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? How was your week? And you know what? When I ask that question, the overwhelming response that I get from people, some of it is just out of habit, but some of it is because we value this, and I think it's a bad value. The overwhelming response that I get from people is just, it's been a really busy week. Like, it's been really busy. How many of you heard that this morning from someone? Okay, how many of you will be honest? How many of you, it'll be interesting if anybody will raise their hand. How many of you said that this morning? It's just been a really busy, like you're, our schedule is so busy. I want you to do this. I want you to take 30 seconds, and I want you to talk to somebody around you, and I want you to know, and there's a sign there's science behind this. None of us will be alive when this technically happens, but at some point, um, if Jesus doesn't return, we'll actually have 25 hours in a day instead of 24. So go look it up, but I don't want to bore you with the science. Um, I know some of you are laughing thinking, I don't know what I'm talking about. Go look it up. Um, but let's pretend that it already happened. We now have 25 hours in our day. Tell the person sitting next to you or behind you or in front of you what you're going to do with the one extra hour. So go. You have 30 seconds. Go. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure. I typically, I, in past sermons, I've mentioned a question and have you talk, and usually it's kind of like, I ask you what you're going to do with an extra hour, and it's like a roar takes place in the room. <laughs> so I don't know if you're making fun of the 25-hour thing because you don't think I know what I'm talking about, or if you really have an idea of what you're going to do with the extra hour. Here's what I'm going to tell you what... If you don't have a plan, what's going to happen with your extra hour? You're going to spend your extra hour looking at a bunch of fake posts on Facebook. 
that's what you'll do if you don't have a plan. We, in our culture, value busyness to such a high degree that is not only unsustainable, I believe that it's also unbiblical. And we value this. It's a big deal. And we take pride in our busyness. We take pride in our schedule. And we think that we're doing such a great job because we're super busy. And so we're just going to look at that today. And to be quite honest, it's probably going to be a little bit painful for us. And here's the reality. The reality is I know that the majority of us in the room are going to say, that was really good for so-and-so to hear. And we're going to think that we've got it under control. And we're going to think that we know what we're doing. But I just want you to go in today with open eyes and open ears and an open heart and listen to what we're talking about. So I want to give us a, a quick working definition for margin, okay? So just a quick working definition for margin is the difference between what you have and what you need. The difference between what you have and what you need Okay, so for instance, from where you live on a normal Sunday to get to church takes 20 minutes. If you leave your house with 30 minutes uh, time before church starts, that means you arrive to church with 10 minutes margin. There's pretty much zero people in the room who do that. <laughs> However, that's what it means to have margin. Some of you don't have enough margin to get to church on time. But we're going to talk about what does it mean for you to have margin, okay? And it's a, it's a principle that we need. The principle actually applies in all areas of our life. It applies to finances. It applies to time. It applies to relationships. It applies to making sure that you have moral boundaries in your life. But we're only specifically talking about margin in regards to time today. But I think it's something that we should consider and look at. Like how do we live out our life and how do we make sure that we have enough margin, I believe that it's possible that maybe the best things in life happen in the margins. If you don't have margin, what are you missing? You'll never know. So I want to look at a bunch of different scriptures today, but we'll begin in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. It's a somewhat familiar story if you've, if you've gone to church for a while. If you haven't been in church, maybe it's an unfamiliar story, but I want you to listen to it, and I think that we can learn a lot of things from it. Luke chapter 10, and I'll confess up front that this verse always causes me a lot of issues when I have to teach on this verse for two reasons. Number one, just because it talks about time and we're not always great at time. The second reason is one of the words in the verse actually is a name of a person that I'm very close to. And so it creates a little bit of an issue for me as we talk about this. Um, and so let's just call out the elephant in the room. Yes, my wife's name is Martha, but it's not talking about her in the verse. I think we know that, but it's kind of like we always giggle. I always internally giggle because she has a few of these tendencies at times. But um, uh, And so she said, she knew I was talking about this today, so she said, are you talking about me today? No, I'm talking about somebody different. <laughs> Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So this lady Martha welp welcomes Jesus into the house I suspect just by reading this, I mean, they, they didn't have strength finder in the day, but I suspect that she, that she probably had maybe the gift of hospitality, like it's something that's important to her to welcome people. It was probably also part of their culture, but she's kind of just living out her, some of her strengths, which at times our strengths can become our weakness. 
But she's living those out. She's preparing for Jesus. Verse 39, um, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. So I don't know about you, but if Jesus come into my house, I want to make sure that things are pretty nice. I want to make sure that it smells nice. I want to make sure that things are picked up. I want to make sure that, you know, everything is where it needs to be and that everything is really good. And that's kind of what's going on in Mar- with Martha here. She's like, I want to make sure that everything this day is perfect for Jesus because he's kind of a big deal. Mary, on the other hand, she doesn't care about anything else that's going on. She just wants to do the relationship thing and hang out with Jesus. So she's spending time with Jesus. She's spending time with Jesus. And what happens is we can learn in this very beginning of this scripture right here that what happens to Martha sometimes happens to us is that we end up focusing on the urgent and we miss the important. Like if you don't, if you're not intentional, you focus on the urgent and you miss the important. We all have stuff that happens in our life that's urgent. Like, I'm not saying that you can get rid of all the urgent things in your life. We all have that. But if we only focus on the urgent, sometimes we miss the important. And I think that that's what's going on right here. The urgency of making sure that your house is perfect for Jesus is a big deal. I'm not saying that it's not. Like, I think we would all want to make it great. But she was so focused on the urgent that she missed the important. And how many times do you and I do that? We get so focused on this just happened and I got to fix it. I need to do this. I have all this on my list. I've got all these things to do and we miss what? Who knows what all we miss? So let's keep reading. And she went up to him and said, so Martha's working. Mary's just hanging out with Jesus. So she's doing all, and and this is just the way my brain works. She's doing all this stuff. She's probably, uh, she's a little bit sweaty. She has flour on her face. Um, You know, her dress is probably messed up a little bit. And she comes and she's kind of upset. And she says, and it says, she went to Jesus and she said, and I, I can't, I don't have a good, female in distress voice where I would read it like that, but just use your imagination. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. So she goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, come on. She doesn't even care. Like, look at all the things that we have to do. She's not doing anything. Can you just tell her to help me a little bit? Tell her to help me a little bit. Tell her to tell me, help me do some of the things that I have to do. Here's another learning point that we can take from Martha at this particular moment. She's absolutely convinced that what she is doing is not only right, but needed. Absolutely convinced. So when I'm talking to you today about your schedule and about your time, you and I are just like Martha, and we're absolutely convinced that what we're doing is not only right, but it's also needed. That may not be the case. It's not the case for Martha And for many of us, it's not the case for us as well. We just assume that because we're doing it, it's got to be the most important thing. If if I'm doing this, it must be the most important. Why do we think that? Because we think that we're the most important. That's why we think it. Now, I know that nobody's going to raise your hand and say, oh, yeah, that's why I do that. I'm just telling you that's why we do it. We think that we're the most important. That's why what we do matters more than anything else because we're the most important. And so I want us to keep reading and see what else we can learn. Verse 41. But the Lord answered her. And it's just difficult for me to say this. But let's try to focus. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. 
But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion or the best thing which will not be taken away from her. He's like, Martha, come on. I'm not saying that what you're doing is unimportant, but Mary has figured out that there's something else that's more important than what you're doing at the present moment. doesn't mean that you shouldn't clean your house. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be organized. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't go to work. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a busy schedule, but you need to make sure what's on the top of your list. What's the one thing that's the most important, Jesus said. Like you're, you're getting upset at her and you shouldn't be upset at her. What you're doing is not bad, it's not unimportant, but you've kind of decided that something else is more important. And Jesus says, there's really just one thing that needs to be at the top of your list. Look what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This is actually a little bit convicting in light of what we just read in Luke. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Here's what this says. This is just the Bob interpreting what this says. This is what it says. All those things that the world tells you that's super important, they're not that important. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be on your list. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do them. But we've elevated them to a place that they should not be. And you live at a pace of life that is not only unsustainable, it's unbiblical. Be transformed. Don't do what the rest of the world does. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That doesn't specifically talk about time or margin, but I think that that's one of the categories that fits into there. Don't be as busy as everybody else in the world because you can't maintain that pace. But that's what we do. We go hard every day, all day long. Here's what happens to some of you. Some of you get time off from work and you go on this thing called vacation and you play harder and shop harder and do more things on vacation than you do when you're not on vacation. And when you get home and you go back to work, you can't even function because your vacation took so much out of you. That's what we think vacation is. Let me tell you something. I'm just going to, it's a lie. That's not vacation. Some of you go on vacation and you spend so much time checking your email for work that you never actually disconnect from work. That's not vacation. So here's what happens. Here's the learning point with, with margin. Here's what happens when we increase margin. There's three things that, there's probably more than that, but there's at least three things that happen when we increase margin. When you increase margin, when you increase it, when you increase margin, it helps you in your, your relational intimacy, regardless of who the relationships are. If you have more margin in your life, you have the ability to spend more time with the people that are important to you. So it goes up, okay? So when you add margin to your life, it goes up. The, uh, another thing that happens when you have more margin in your life is it decreases stress. You want to know why some of you are so stressed out all the time? It's because you know it takes you 20 minutes to get to church, and yet you leave with 10 minutes left to go. You know that you have to get to this meeting in 10 minutes, and yet you leave with one minute until the meeting. That creates stress in your life, and you're okay with it. Why are we okay with adding stress to our life? But when we have margin in our life, it creates flexibility, and it creates ease, and it creates space for relational intimacy. It also creates space for relationship opportunity. Here's what I mean by that. 
So we're talking about being a good neighbor, but you don't have any time. If you have margin, you know what margin gives you the ability to do? It gives you the ability to actually walk across the street or walk across the hall and knock on your neighbor's door and say, hey, I'm about to go grab a drink. You want to go with me? I'm about to watch the Duke basketball game. Would you like to watch it with me? Like if you don't have any margin in your life, you cannot create more relationships. So some of you have great intention. Yes, I want to be a good neighbor. Yes, I want to love the people around me. I want to love the people at my work. I want to love my neighborhood. But you can't do it because you have no margin in your life. There's no way that you can add any more relationships in. It's just me, but it seems like that would be kind of an unbiblical thing, right? Like if Jesus says that you should love your neighbor, but we say we can't love our neighbor because we're too busy, it kind of seems like it's not biblical, right? But yet, we're okay with it. Because we don't commit adultery, we don't commit rape, and we don't kill anyone, so we can make our schedule as busy as we want because it's not that bad. I think it's interesting why we're okay with it. So, I want us to do a couple of other things, but I think the main reason why we don't have margin is because we don't actually trust God. One of the main reasons that we don't have margin in our life is because we don't trust God. Because we fill up our lives with all of these things that are okay or even good, but we elevate them to the place of supreme. And when you elevate, the, uh, elevate your schedule or something in your schedule to the place of supreme, you know what that's called? When you elevate it so highly, it's called idolatry. And we, or our schedules, we think that are more important than God. We can control what we want to control. We can do what we want to do. It's called idolatry. And it's either you think that you're more important than God, or your activities are more important than God. And so when you don't have margin in your life, I think it creates a little bit of a problem. Because we fill our lives with things that do not matter as much as God. I'm not saying that they don't matter. I'm not saying your work doesn't matter. I'm not saying your school doesn't matter. I'm not saying cleaning your house doesn't matter. Those are all good things. But we elevate them to the supreme things, and that's called idolatry, and it's dangerous. There's a couple of comforting verses. We just don't tend to apply them to our life. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I think you could probably just add a few other things in there. Come to me, all of you that are stressed out. Come to me, all of you that have no margin in your life. Come to me, all of you that have a work schedule that would kill any human being. Come to me, all of you that have this school schedule that you can't keep up with. Come to me, all of you that have all of these things on your to-do list that never get checked off. I think you could add a lot of things in there, but look what it says after that. And I will give you What does it say? I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty dang good. I'll give you rest. If you live, Jesus is saying, if you live the way that I say that you should live, I can give you rest. You don't have to be stressed out. You don't have to know, feel like you have no idea what you're going to do because you can't get all of your stuff done. Come to me. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, my way of living upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Like, that sounds really good. I want some of that. Give me some rest for my soul. Sign me up for that class. That's the class that I want to take. But yet, 
We just cram more stuff in our schedule and we have no margin. Here's part of the reason why. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. This is part of the reason why we don't have margin in our life. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully how the way that you live your life, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So here's what happens. It's saying in that verse, and when it's time to make your schedule, you should be wise, not unwise. You should not live the way of the fool. But here's what, the way that we do our schedules. Somebody comes and says, hey, I have this opportunity. Would you like to go with me to this? And you say, I don't know. Let me check my schedule. So you pull out your handy-dandy smartphone, and you look at your schedule, and you're like, you know what? I'm free. Yes, I'll go with you. Wrong question to ask, are you free? It's not the right question. Or sometimes you ask, somebody says, hey, will you go to me with, to the strip club? And you say, I expected that there would be at least a chuckle there. Some of you think, what the heck is he talking about? Everybody kind of freaked out on me for a moment. You're like, if somebody says, hey, will you want to go with me to the strip club? You're probably going to say, you know what? That's probably not a good thing for me to do, so I'm going to say no. The questions that we are asking are wrong. It's the wrong question. It's not, do I have time to do it, or is it a good or bad thing? Wrong question to ask. The question that you should be asking is, is it a wise thing for me to do? Just because you have the time to do it doesn't mean that you should do it. Just because it's a good thing doesn't mean that you should do it. Do you see where I'm going here? Like, give me a little bit of help here. Like, yes, preach it. It's kind of good. It's so, so good. Like, do you see what I'm saying, though? We say, do I have time to do it? Do I have time to do it? Okay, I'll do it. Is it good? Okay, I'll do it. No, the question you should be asking is, is it wise? Is it wise for me to add this to my schedule at this time in my life? But those aren't the questions that we ask because we think we should be able to do everything. Is it wise? And so Ephesians is telling us there, don't live like a fool. The times are evil, and if Satan can't make you bad, he's just going to make you busy. So be careful not to just add stuff to your schedule because you think it's an okay thing. Is it wise for you at this stage of your life to be doing X? Sometimes the answer is no, even if the thing is great. Sometimes the answer is no. But we have a problem with that word. We're not very good at that word, so I thought we would practice this morning. Let's just say it out loud together. No. Try it. See, it wasn't too bad, was it? No. One more time, try it. No. What if it's a really important thing? Like it was, it's like a prestigious, it's a prestigious thing and somebody's inviting you to this thing and you think, how can I pass this up? It's such a good thing, I should go to it. Then you have to answer in a fancy way and you just say, no. That's the fancy version. <laughs> try it. No. See, it's not that hard. But what happens is you'll leave out of here today and somebody's gonna ask you, let's go to this thing and you're like, Okay, I have time. Because you think that you can handle it. You think that you have your schedule under control and you don't. If you had, nah, I can't go on that again. I already talked to you too much about being late for church. Did you see how I did that? <laughs> that was kind of like I didn't, that was kind of like I didn't talk about it, but I talked about it. That's, that was pretty slick, wasn't it? Um, while, while we're talking about stuff, let's just take a TV time out and talk about this, Okay. There are a lot of young people that go to this church. Some of you are just married. Some of you have been married for a little while. And for whatever reason, everybody thinks that they need to have a kid at the same time. 
If you already have children, or, and they're little, if you already have children and they're older, sorry, this won't apply to you, or you hope to someday have a child, can I just give you some advice? Here's what you're going to be tempted to do. You're going to be tempted to sign your kid up for every stinking activity that you can because they're a great kid and they need to be a great flutist. <laughs> and they need to be a great swimmer. And they need to be a great diver. And they've got to play soccer. And they've got to play t-ball. And you're going to sign your kid up for all of this stuff. And you're going to have no margin in your life to do anything. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to get old one day and you're going to regret it. Here's what, this is, not a, this is not a biblical advice, this is a Bob advice. I'm saying you make your kids choose one thing at a time. Amen. Just one. <laughs> From someone who doesn't have a kid. <laughs> but, but, just one thing. And it, they try it for a season. If they don't like it and they want to try something else, then let them try something else. But they don't have to be involved in six things at one time because not only will they not enjoy it, you won't enjoy it. Just be careful. Because if your kid is involved in everything, you have no margin. And you know what else will fall apart? Not only your schedule will fall apart, but your marriage will fall apart because you never spend any time together because all you're doing is going from event to event. Just be careful. Is it wise at the present stage of your life to be doing X? That's what Ephesians is asking. Is it wise? It doesn't matter if you have time, and it doesn't matter if it's good. Is it wise? So let's finish up with this. Good stuff. We've got to say no to many good things in order that we have time to say yes to the great things. Like I think that's the one thing that you should leave with today. You've got to be able to say no to many good things so that then you have the ability to say yes to the great things. And that's just a discipline that we don't have many times. Busyness in your life. If you, if you only hear one thing today, this is probably what you should hear. Forget all the other stuff. No, listen to the other stuff, but hear this. Busyness does not equal meaning or significance. But our culture thinks it does. There's a good chance that you think it does. Busyness does not equal significance. It doesn't. It doesn't add meaning to your life just because you're busy. And I'm just gonna tell you, it doesn't impress me when I ask you on Sunday, hey, how was your week? And you say, it was really, really busy. I know that you think that that sounds really, really good, but it actually creates a lot of fear in my heart for you because that's not good, even though you think it is. There's a difference between distraction and interruption. Do you know the difference? I probably made this up, and it's probably not a real difference, but just go with me. There's a difference between distraction and interruption. There are tons of distractions in your life, but there are times when God tries to interrupt your life, but you won't let him interrupt your life because you're I almost cussed. Because you're too busy. You're too busy. And God can't, he can't interrupt you because you're too busy. 
Do you know the, do you see the difference? Distractions are, they're just whatever. But God so many times tries to interrupt you and say, hey, you should talk to this person. You should befriend this person. You should love this person. And you can't do it because you can't listen to God because you have so many other voices pounding you in the head saying, do this, do this, do this. You want meaning in your life, do this. You want significance in your life, do this. And God is just like, how about this? But you can't hear him. Because you got too much crap going on. Distraction, interruption. You should welcome interruptions from God. Because those will always be great. That was just a quick TV timeout. Two more things. Listen to this. You've heard this before if you've been around church at all. We just don't apply it. It's like, I don't know why we don't do this. Psalm 46, verse 10. Some of you could probably quote it. Be still and know that I'm God. Coming from a kid that got in trouble a lot at school because I couldn't be still, I know sometimes it's difficult. But when we can remove those distractions and put ourselves in a position to receive from God, It changes us. It comforts us. Be still and know that I'm God. But we go so hard and so fast that sometimes we just ignore him. One more piece of scripture, Isaiah 58, 11. And I love what this says, and I think the imagery here is so great for us today as we talk about creating margin in our life so that we can love the people around us very well. But we can't do that unless we allow God to love us well. Look what it says, Isaiah 58, verse 11. The Lord will guide you continually. Like we could stop right there and we should find lots of comfort in that. And he will satisfy your desire in, a, in scorched places, I, I just get the imagery of that. Like we're running so fast and so hard in the desert that we just, we're killing ourselves out in the desert. And it simply says, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters will not fail. So maybe you came today and your margin is great, like you have time, but you've never actually understood what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. So you're still, you still have a completely dry and empty soul. So maybe for today, it wasn't about margin or time for you at all. It was about hearing that Jesus can take away that emptiness. He can take it. Because here's what happens sometimes in our life. We try to fill that void, fill that emptiness, fill that dryness with being significant by doing all of these things. But today, for some of you, maybe Jesus is saying, you know what? You're dry and empty, but I can fix that for you. Be still. Know that I'm God. For some of you, 
your schedule was so crazy that God, it's not that he ignores you, but maybe it's just that he moves to somebody else that has a little more margin because you wouldn't listen to him. You didn't have space for him. He tried to interrupt you many times. And you said, by your actions, you said, God, I don't have time. Is your soul dry? Is it weary? Are you living at an unsustainable pace that is ungodly and unbiblical? Today, he says, all of that can change. Come to me, all of you that are weary, and I can give you rest. That's what he says. But do we believe it? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for challenging us on our schedules, for challenging us on the way that we live our life. And so for those of us, Jesus, that you have rescued and that you have made us your own, I pray that you would convict us of our schedules when they are ungodly. I pray that you would give us the opportunity to say no to good things so that we can start saying yes to great things. I pray that you would help us to be still and know that you are God. I pray that you would help us to find comfort in you. God, I pray that you would help us to have the discipline and the courage to say no to sometimes really good things. For those of you that come this morning that you've never even really thought about what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus, so you've never really found any rest or comfort in him, and you've been trying to find it in other places, maybe today's the day that you just simply surrender your life to his way. And you just simply ask him, Jesus, I understand that I have sin in my life and I acknowledge that you died on a cross for the forgiveness of my sin. And today, I say thank you for rescuing me. I want to find comfort. I want to find rest for my dry and weary soul. And God, for us as a church this morning, I simply pray that you would help us to continue to be good neighbors. I pray that you would help us to know that when you're interrupting us with the opportunity to build a relationship, God, I pray that we would respond accordingly. I pray that we would always be willing to say yes to you. I pray that we will carve out margin in our life so that you could choose to change us and then use us to change the world. You're a righteous and holy God. In your name we pray. Amen. Some ushers are going to come forward this morning to receive uh, this morning's tithes and offerings.